never been there. The nearly grown-up adventures of Huck Finn and Tom Sawyer. Chapter 5, in which our heroes are bought and sold, make another new friend and yet another new enemy. When we last saw Huck and Tom, they were running west, quite literally. The flat prairie was slowly giving way to higher land, and the two grown boys, who lacked everything, horses, guns, and any food of their own, managed to keep a steady running pace across the territories. What they did have was an Indian, who followed them from a respectful distance and made their fires at night and fed them all the buffalo jerky they could want. It was that way for almost a week. There wasn't much else to do but run, so we ran. After a while, it stopped hurting so much and reminded me of the young me, the one who used to like running. You ever notice how little kids don't walk anywhere they run? If I wanted to be at that place, I ran. If I wanted to head back, I ran. When you're not too concerned with the bits in between, it's the only way to get from here to there. How did that change? Oh, and the shoes the Indian gave me to wear. They were the best things I ever put on my feet. Ever. It was a foggy morning as they were getting up to standing and stretching their bones when Huck first saw it. Beyond the clearing fog and parting clouds, rising in the distance like an endless impenetrable curtain of snow and rock and snow, stood the Rocky Mountains. Oh my, they do look bigger in person, don't you think? Certainly bigger than the pictures. Well, they are pretty. Let's go home. Shortest distance to a warm bed and a tall drink is through those mountains. Yeah. You know, as much as I hate horses, I think snow is really at the top of that list. Anything not on the list? You take up most of it. Their argument was interrupted by the sound of something hitting the dirt. The exceptionally ugly red cowboy boots landed at Huck's feet, which presently were snuggled in the Indian's moccasins. Your boots no longer please my feet. No, a deal is a deal. And now suddenly you can speak English? He's been pretty nice to us with the food and the company and all. It wouldn't kill you to be nice and trade back the shoes. You be nice and give him your shoes. These are the first ones I've had in 15 years that don't hurt my feet. You didn't wear shoes 15 years ago. Exactly. And I'm not giving these up for nothing. Another sound interrupted the argument. This time it was the cocking of a rifle. The Indian leveled his Winchester and aimed it dead at Huck. I would prefer not to shoot you. You'd prefer that. How incredibly civilized of you. No. You know what? Shoot me. Go ahead. That'd take care of a whole bunch of problems. Won't have to sleep in the dirt, or walk across the Rockies, or listen to this imbecile anymore. Imbecile? I save your life, and you call me an imbecile. Save my life? You're a crazy imbecile. You ruined my life, remember? The Indian fired around at Huck's feet, trying again to cut this argument short. Would you stop that? That's very annoying. Take the boots. Get back the moccasins. Or I will shoot you. No, I think you're bluffing. Bluffing? What is that? Bluffing's when you're saying one thing but pretending... You're bluffing about this one too, aren't you? I do not know what you mean. I'll shoot you now and end this talk. I don't think he's bluffing. Okay, wait a sec. Maybe we can work a deal. Uh, can I be of any help here? No one had noticed the new stranger who had appeared. Atop a massive horse sat a middle-aged black man with a likable demeanor, though he did his very best to conceal it. His name was Ishmael. This damn fool white man would rather die than return my moccasins. Is that right? That my white friend is a fool, yes. But it hardly seems fair. If we'd known he spoke English, we would have said a lot fewer stupid things. Mm -hmm. 
Who belongs to the red boots? Not me. My friend has a problem with shoes. I think the native and I need to have us a talk. The two men on horseback, one black, one red, rode a few paces away for a private conversation. Just had to make trouble, didn't you? Me? This is all my fault? Plain and simple, that's the truth of it. You're unbelievable. There's a perfectly good train we could have taken, but no. We're too good to levitate to California. We're going to dive in and experience the river and get pneumonia and get shot at and die. That's what we're going to do. Who threw a perfectly good pair of shoes in the Mississippi? That was your idea. Once again, I'm the cause of everything bad in your life. That's it. That's exactly right. That's enough. You know, I shouldn't have come for you at all. Right again. I said that's enough. You don't have to yell. First of all, give the Indian back his moccasins. You know... And don't say another word. That's part of the deal. <sighs> so let's hand over the moccasins and thank the nice man. Well, okay. Thank you for saving our lives and all. You talk too much about things that don't need talking. Take this advice. Listen carefully. Without another word or look, the Indian turned his horse and rode away. Huck stood there and waited for the advice the Indian had promised. I... I don't think I understand what he's saying. Did I hear it wrong? So, gentlemen, this is where we stand. The Indian expected to get money for keeping you boys alive this long. Someone had to pay him for your rescue, and turns out it was me. The outcome is I had to buy you two from him. Does that mean you own us? In a sense. Can I buy us back? I'm willing to consider your request, but... Still don't understand what the Indian was saying. Listen up. First, we've got to get those fine-looking boots back on your feet. Then we got to move along. A lot of ground to cover before nightfall. You heading west, too? A man's got to look after his property now, don't he? Huck could have enjoyed this moment, but his attention was dragged down to the red boots lying in the dirt before him. Much later that day, the three men walked together into the foothills of the Rockies, Ishmael's horse on a lead close behind him. Little had changed. Huck worried about his shoes, while Tom was excited by something new. You're a bounty hunter. Real? That's so fantastic. That's what I always wanted to be. You're your own boss, captain of your fate, cowtower to none. I mean, look at you. You are it. The strong, silent type, tall in the saddle, braving the odds to capture your fugitive while a grateful nation cheers you on. My God, what a life. I want to be you. Is he always like this? Pretty much. And there's no stopping him. This is what I really want to know. There's this bad man we ran into, stole our horse, beats his wife, I think, probably mean to his kids, too. Anyway, a really, really bad guy, and we'd like to rescue this poor, defenseless woman from this foulest of villains. She needs us. She really does. You looking for this guy, by any chance? What's the villain's name? I... I don't know. What's he look like? White guy? Tall? Well, he was on a horse, so he looked tall. Could have been short, hard to say. Mustache? Mean look in his eyes. Mean guy. It could be the man I'm after right now. You never know. If you remember any more about him besides him being white and looking mean, you be sure and tell me. I will indeed. This is so great. We got a bounty hunter to help us get that guy. You really have to stop talking one of these days. Hey, what's that sound? What finally stopped Tom from talking was the sound of hoofbeats. A thundering stampede of horses coming from just over the rise. And then they appeared. Indians, dozens, hundreds of them on horseback, riding at a fast gallop, charging full tilt straight down upon our threesome. Nowhere to run, our intrepid heroes stiffened their backs and bravely faced the assault. Well, that's what they'd tell folks later. Ishmael stood his ground, while Huck and Tom lowered themselves closer to it. A choking cloud of dust, 
a cacophony of hoofs and whooping war cries, and then they were gone. The stampede of Indians rode right on past our heroes, their horses and dust cloud receding into the distance. Quiet returned, but only for a moment. Another thunder of hoofbeats, hundreds of them, another army, this one in uniform. The Seventh Cavalry charged over the rise, trumpets blaring, flags flapping. The army was in hot pursuit. Huck and Tom found themselves hugging the dirt once again as the horses and soldiers thundered past. As the army disappeared after the Indians, their commanding officer rode up to Ishmael and the now standing Huck and Tom. A dashing-looking officer with long, curling blonde hair and an overflowing sense of self-importance, Lieutenant Colonel George Armstrong Custer. You are safe now, my friends. The Red Savages have surrendered, are subdued, and are in custody. Another fine example of the cavalry coming to the defense and rescue of those who reside in the territories. You don't have to thank us. It's our job, and we're only too happy to do it. He would have gone on longer, but an aide doubled back from the pursuing army and rode close to Custer, quietly delivering bad news. Oh, really? You're certain about this? The trackers can't find them. They were right there. Can we track the trackers? I see. We'll take this up later. Stay behind our lines, citizens, and you will live safely thanks to the protection of myself and the 7th Cavalry. Away! Custer and the aide rode off with a flourish, and quiet finally returned. Can you believe that guy? You see his hair? There's nothing quite so funny as a white man so very much full of his own crap. What's that you're saying, boy? Our three heroes turned to face this new stranger, a pointy-faced soldier who wore an unpleasant sneer and sat atop a reluctant horse. The stranger, who went by the name Trent, directed his contemptuous glare straight at Ishmael. I was saying Gurleylocks there needs a haircut and a tighter hat band. What's any of that to you, mister? <laughs> Tough guy, huh? You fight all your Negroes' battles for him? Well, he never gets the opportunity, as I'd love to fight far too much to ever give him the chance. That suits me just fine. These are modern times, what with the black man free and all. Means you can hang one from any tree you please, and you not be taking lawful property from any white man. Make your move. Still on his horse, Trent loomed over Ishmael in a tense, frozen moment. Huck moved first, jumping up and grabbing Trent by his neckerchief and throwing him to the dirt. Huck snatched Trent's gun and pinned him to the ground. You stay right there. Don't move. Trent moved, and Huck set the gun barrel right between his eyes. That's it. I'm shooting him. Best if you don't. They'd figure I did it and then hang ten black brothers in retribution. We could bury him up to his neck and let the ants have at him. Or stake him to the ground. Pour molasses on him and let the wolves have dessert. No, I want to shoot him. How's this thing work? Do I have to pull this thumb thing back? God damn you, you stupid nigger-loving son of a bitch! Huck had heard enough and whacked Trent hard against the head with the gun butt, knocking him out cold. So you don't have to actually fire a gun to make it work. Better when you don't. I got dibs on his horse. That ain't fair. I did all the work. I get the horse. Just cause you got a violent streak in you doesn't mean- And the shoes. I get those too. Getting grabby, aren't we? Only taking what I need. Well, I don't feel like walking. Tom looked around, scanning the horizon, searching for something not yet seen. He set off a loud, piercing whistle and then waited, listening. Sure enough, in a moment another horse arrived. A pack horse, lugging supplies tied to its saddle. Tom dumped the supplies and got ready to ride. You always get what you want, don't you? Give a whistle and there it is. What's bugging you? 
You know exactly what I'm talking about. If you ladies don't mind, we should move out before a benefactor here wakes up. Yeah, Huck. Let's get away from this mess you made for us. Before Huck could find Trent's gun and fire off a shot at his old friend, Tom and Ishmael had ridden on ahead, and Huck had to hurry to follow them. Chapter 5 was performed by Alex Parker as Huck, Gus Krieger as Tom, Michael Irby as Ishmael, Stuart Gillard as the Indian, Max Adler as George Armstrong Custer, Liam Toner as Trent, Vahan Musikian was our reader, and James Whitmore Jr. was the voice of old Huck. Our music was written and performed by Mark Feinberg. The story is based on characters created by Mark Twain. Never Been There was written and directed by Krishna Rao. All rights are reserved by the author. Visit our website at neverbeentherepodcast.com. This is Jessica Straub. I hope you've enjoyed the show.